not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, I've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, Ebrick. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Pint Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Reed, and as always, I'm joined by my uh, colleagues and co-hosts here. I got Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance, Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitchell & Whale, and we also have Steve Earl, CEO of Cheap Insurance. So today, we are going to talk about uh, broker associations, right? So we've, we've, I think we've touched on this subject from time to time. Obviously, we had uh, Colin Simpson in a previous season. Uh, but we're going to talk about associations in general. So I'm going to maybe uh, uh, first I'll point out that some of my my, my colleagues here, uh, while not directors of the associations, are fairly heavily involved in the associations. Right? Jeff and Steve are both members of the IBAC Tech Committee, as well as the Tech Committee members of their own provincial associations. And Adam is also a member of the Ontario Tech uh, Committee. So these guys are their own time and energy uh, into helping other brokers, which is great. So maybe, Jeff, I'll get you to talk us through uh, the setup of the associations. Like, how, how do these things actually, how are they actually organized? Uh, I think there's 11 different uh, associations across uh, Canada. Uh, most of the provinces have their own associations. In the associations, most of the people have set up, set up territories and they've got a director that's in charge of a different territory. And uh, I, I'm not sure exactly where Ontario has landed. At one point, I think there were 16 territories and 16 directors. Uh, that has been reduced as of last convention. I can't remember exactly the number, but they reduced so they combined some of the territories just to make sure they didn't have as much overhead and stuff to run it. And uh, each of the directors will show up uh, at the association and they elect a president and executive uh, in each provincial area. And there's always somebody in charge of CEO in Ontario, it's Colin Simpson, but each province has a CEO across Canada that's in charge of running the nonprofit organization for brokers. And then each of these provincial associations are part of IBAC. They send a representative, uh, TIC, sorry, is the other area, Toronto Insurance as a commission or what is the uh, actual? Council. Council. Toronto Insurance Council, sorry. They've uh, they've also set up their own organization too because the big commercial brokers in downtown Toronto is at one point had a different need than the other associations, so they set up their own association. So all these organizations uh, report into IBAC. I don't think that outside of Ontario, maybe BC has a couple territories, I don't know, but everybody else just has an association. There's no territories within it. So, 
each of the associations uh, has a board of directors. Uh, they go through a cycle, you go on the board and then you work your way up, you become president, you become chair. But one person is always sent to Tirana to serve at IBAC for a few years and work your way through that system. So each of the associations is their own association, but it is a member of IBAC. Um, IBAC really doesn't drive the bus on anything with the exception of national advertising campaigns. They've got some committees on education, things that are national in nature, but political advocacy and, and, and that, that sort of thing. But <clears throat> all the member associations are members of IBAC. So IBAC is just sort of in the middle there doing some stuff that we all have in common. What is, what is the mandate of, of the provincial and or federal um, associations? You know, some go as deep in their mission statements to say political advocacy, education, and so on. Others just say to further the broker channel. Like it's, it's all over the map. Every one of the 11 associations has a different mission statement. And I think really it boils down to most of them look after the same, you know, three or four pillars, right? You know, federal government advocacy, political action, you know, when the governments, you know, provincial governments or, or federal, if there's, you know, changes to the Bank Act, or if the government is changing the Auto Insurance Act, or, or you know, any type of insurance regulation, they all band together to make sure the brokers are represented and make sure they're on top of it. Uh, professional development and education, all the uh, associations are part of that, and IBAC provides some of the CABE course and some of the uh, programs on a national basis. So they're all important about, you know, getting brokers trained, developing courses, uh, bringing the education to the members. Uh, a lot of the associations, a lot of their budget is derived from delivering education. Uh, you know, IBAC has the, you know, the, the BIP, the professional indemnity program, which is big, and they push that through all the different uh, provinces and the provinces do some co-op advertising. And, they, you know, I would say technology is one of the things that has emerged in all the associations in IBAC because they've realized that, hey, technology is a key component, as we talked about in the show. And probably the last thing is member benefits. Most of the uh, associations offer, you know, a, you know a, a group discount on benefits, errors in the missions, you know, it's certain tech providers, they have a discount that they offer members, they vet them and they bring the ideas and stuff to the members and give them a discount. I would say that, um, you know, there's, there's a ton of awesome work that uh, the associations, each provincial association has done over the history of those associations. And that goes back like, frig, I think like a hundred, hundred years, right? But, um, some of the things that I think about now are like, when you look at the historical aspect of these associations, they're so entrenched in tradition. And a lot of those barriers are gone. You know, it would be, you know, Saskatchewan and Alberta might have challenges with insurers about uh, agricultural risks and so on. Atlantic Canada would have different, like, we really don't have these challenges so isolated into these little silos into provinces anymore. 
you know, it, it doesn't exist. Our biggest challenges are with consumers who are identical, whether they're in Newfoundland or in Victoria. It, it, it makes no difference. Times are changing a lot, right? Like we've watched the, the Broker Association in Ontario have to try and adapt between the M&A worlds, you know, the average member getting bigger and bigger, the, the quantity of members coming smaller. The idea of, you know, there was sort of a collective bargaining angle of, you know, not allowing the insurance companies to completely divide and conquer, but try to speak with a single voice and move together. Um, like TIC and others, I think some of the big brokers felt disenfranchised and, you know, not represented or not getting the value. And, um, so I think broker associations face that right now of how do they actually continue to stay relevant when bigger and bigger brokers just have relationship managers and not to say lobbying groups, but like people charged with actually maintaining these relationships. At one point you had to be independent and you couldn't be a member or you could be a member, but you couldn't vote. And with, uh, you know, Canadian broker link buying so many brokers up, and with the future of the association and everything on the line, they made the adjustment that those people could be voting members, right? So that was a, a big pivot that's evolved too. So the landscape shifted. I think Steve and Adam pointed that out. But some of the stuff, some of the things that were designed and how the associations run as a nonprofit, some of them probably need to be engineered because the world's different in 2021, right? We've talked a bit about the history of what associations have done and done it you know, for a long time and quite well. Uh, we've also, over the course of our entire podcasting career here, careers, uh, we've talked about how things are changing for brokers. But, you know, given the role that the associations play and given the changes that the broker channel is experiencing, are there things, um, and maybe the answer is associations should just keep doing what they're doing, but, but you know, we're here to challenge the status quo. So let me throw it out to you guys. Are there things that the associations can or should do to support brokers with the changing landscape that we've been talking about for you know a year and a half now. So I have a split mind on this. It's one sort of pat on the back to out there. So I'm we're mostly in Ontario. Um, so that means most of our experience is with IBAL. And and to put a name to it, I think some of the Brett's initiatives, um, Brett Bodeway, have been really good. Um, she sort of started the mandate on on to recruitment and you know getting programs running out of the universities and getting alignment with that. Um, I think another program they ran that was really good was uh, the benchmarking, right? And we can argue the the sort of quality of the slicing or dicing, but the first step in that direction to get it going is these are some things where there's blind spots to brokers of like the questions I hear are, you know, what do I not know and via the benchmarking and how do I get more teammates? Because there's this great resignation and, you know, the talent wars and all the things that are happening. But so here's the other side of the mind is um, what does the association of travel agents look like today? Right. And, and I bring that up because I think there's some changes in the winds and the tides and things that are happening that associations can't easily fight. And you're going to have to keep reassessing the landscape of what a brokers of today look like and what a brokers of tomorrow look like, because I don't know what the numbers are like, but Travelocity and Expedia, I wouldn't be surprised if they consumed 80% of that traffic and do they need an association? Like where is this going? And would a stronger association have stopped that trend? I don't, I don't think you can, 
you can stop the ocean at all, right? And that's, you know, the con consumer preference is, is an ocean that decides to move where it's going to move. And that's the end of the story. But, you know, could the, and the, so the association for sure is not going to stop the tides, if I'm going to mix metaphors here, but, but, you know, can the association help you build a better boat? You're going to need a bigger boat. No association is going to change human nature or consumer preference or what have you, but they could, in theory, they could help their constituents navigate those changing waters. I know right now there's a number of brokers meeting, uh, bigger brokers looking at compensation because that's under the microscope with Fizera. Uh, so basically Colin and Ontario is able to tap the shoulders of some of the bigger brokers and bring a lot of uh, ammunition and size and scale. So that's good. Uh, so that's some good stuff with the uh, different auto regulations and reforms. They've always done a great job of, you know, working with the government, making sure the brokers represented and educating the brokers on the changes. So been a really strong area that the brokers have done well and the one thing that's been a challenge right across Canada though is you know some of the stuff isn't regional anymore I think everybody said well my province is different and you know yes there is some uniqueness because you're dealing with different provincial governments on things but you know I think we all agree technology is universal so trying to deal with technology in each province uh, isn't the best way because we're not using the resources and the expertise and there's got to be different ways in Ontario you know you can say that some people claim we're the center of the universe. Uh, it all starts in Ontario. We have 40% of the volume. We're close to all the companies and Ontario has more brokers and more volume. So uh, arguably Ontario has given a lot of money and helped out a lot of, uh, of the entire, all of Canada with issues. Uh, especially if you look at eDocs and eDocs, uh, Randy Carroll and Rick Orr, brought it up as a big document, a big topic, probably one of the bigger successes we've had. And all of a sudden eDocs got done in a year when everybody made it a priority. That was a huge win because imagine where we'd be now without eDocs, right? But that could have taken eight or nine years like APIs are taking right now to get done. That's something where everybody came together and the work Ontario started there went right across Canada and benefited everybody. So so there's some pros and cons, but I'll throw it out to Steve and, and Adam, like technology is something that should be handled, for, uh, you know, should be handled by all of Canada and speaking with one voice, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think, Steve, what Jeff is trying to say in a very nice way is that you're lucky Upper Canada exists, so suck at Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, after, after Jeff just finished telling me about all the awesome stuff that IBAO is doing, what, what came to my mind when Jeff was talking about all these things and Adam mentioned the work that Brett's doing in recruitment and all that kind of stuff, is like, why does Nova Scotia need to do their own little thing? And then New Brunswick need to duplicate that effort again in New Brunswick and then PEI do their own thing. This is all the same problem. It's freaking recruitment. We all have it. You guys have separate provinces out there? Yeah, and we even speak different languages, if you didn't know. There's fear in if we centralize stuff, Ontario is going to drive the bus here. We're a little bit afraid of that. That's, that's going to go on from everywhere else. But all these things are so common. Like recruitment, it doesn't matter. I'm happy to let Ontario ride the, uh, drive the bus as long as, you know, are they pushing for courses at Nova Scotia Community College? I believe there's a committee at every single one of these 11 associations are in charge of recruitment. And they're, they're devising strategies individually in Saskatchewan and Alberta and Manitoba and Nova Scotia. I know what's going on about recruitment. 
Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS aka Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, but like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool, because it is, and it's hip. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. That, that's, a, that's a great point. You know, it's, and ironically, when you say that, it strikes, it strikes me that it sounds a lot like our country, right? We have 10 provinces and three territories you know, each of whom have their own health uh, ministries or health departments. And then, of course, we've got the federal one that does, you know, whatever they're doing. It's, it, there's a lot of fingers in that pie, you know, and I, I look at how things have been rolled out during COVID. And you go, well, I mean, the issue is the same across the board, yet there's different approaches being taken. It seems strange that some of them work well over here and some of them work well over there and whatever. But it, it, it does it does strike one that there is is a high and higher and growing higher degree of commonality in issues across the board and are we not better off if we were to you know we globally nationally were to join forces and um and solve the problem together we're dealing with a system that was designed for insurance around loggers out west farmers in the west you know industrialists and then fishermen and some Quebec fur traders in between. <laughs> like we're all the same now. We're buying it the same. We're doing the same. We have the same challenges. Why do we have these like little tiny pockets of thought centers that are all trying to solve the same problems? We're not working together on certain things we could. And you hit the nail right in the head on the recruitment as an example. You know, technology is this thing that we keep crossing and blurred lines on who should do what, who's in charge, you know, whose voice are we speaking with? You know, that needs to get cleaned up a lot. I, I think there's a lot of ways to maybe we can consolidate how we do things across Canada and be stronger and better. But, you know, we have to be open to do it. Why wouldn't we have IBAC is the association and each province is a territory within that association, same association, and not duplicate and duplicate, duplicate paperwork, recruitment work, technology work. You know, if I look at large national organizations and we have, you know, our insurance companies are examples thereof, but no, they're not the only ones in other industries. And in a lot of cases, uh, not all cases, but in a lot of cases, you see these organizations end up being structured in a bit of a matrix where you have a regional accountability, but you also have a functional accountability. So you might be the Western rep in general, but you're also the head of recruitment or the head of technology or whatever it happens to be. You know, so there, there are models out there that speak to kind of what you guys are talking about, where you might say, okay, you know, I've got um, 
you know, uh, the BC Association. And so they're responsible for the, for the Pacific region. And they also have the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the mandate on thing X, whatever that is. So they're the national lead on thing X. And then you might have the guy, you know, somebody from Ontario, who's the, in your term, the upper Canada sort of representative. And I've got the, the lead on recruitment, but they, it's not just the upper Canada recruitment. It is national recruitment. And they've got, they've got to worry about BC, you know, to PEI as well as Ontario. Well, I, I think a stronger thing too is, you know, the, the people that are leading the associations right now can still be there, but their role might be in charge of political and, you know, legislative stuff in their province, right? Like you still need to have some people in your province for lobbying and stuff like that on a provincial basis. You got to make sure you can still preserve that. But as you said, there's functional stuff across Canada where they can lap into. It. And I think some of that happens right now. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think the communication flows between the association as well as it could but because some associations have more bandwidth than others right for sure and you know i, I suspect well who, i mean who knows why it hasn't been looked at i i'm not convinced it's because people are afraid for their jobs i think it's because nobody has the scope to look at it right if you're sitting there in ontario sure you've got 40 percent of the policies and brokers and dollars and so on but you don't have a mandate to look nationally and say, hey, let's let's kind of have this conversation. But then you have upper Canadian fear at the same time. Maybe it's baby steps. Hey, let's try one thing, see how it works. Well, we've already done it, Jeff. Like education is nationalized, right? The bipper. We've talked a bit about, you know, about nationalization or consolidation or, you know, bringing associations together and, you know, what could those things look like? At a minimum, what what items could be done at a national level, even if the organizations don't change. So I think we've talked about technology, we've talked about recruitment. Um, you know, what else? What what else? What other what other things are able to be done and probably better done at a national level in addition to the edu uh, sort of the recruitment and the technology? I'm not sure what the magic wand opinion is here. Like I I think there does need to be association reform because. I don't think all parties are happy with what's getting delivered. And I think there's a number of threats on the horizon, but I think it's going to take a lot more than uh, us four in this hour to come up with that uh, solution. I got to say the IBAC and all the associations, political advocacy is phenomenal. Like people show up in Ottawa, the, the IPs, we've, we've kept the banks out of our business because of the work IBAC and all the associations have done. So that alone is worth everybody's membership in the past that be able to do that and be able to talk to politicians, you know, everybody's got relationships with politicians in their, you know, in their provinces, in their area. And, you know, the, the power of the brokers has been communicated well so i would say that's something that all the associations done a great job like you can i don't think they could have done a better job they've really maxed it out and the bipper obviously helped them position themselves for a while so there's some value in the bipper in that political posturing how much that is i don't know it's interesting that the one thing that has really worked well is the thing that we chose to nationalize and all come together on it's everybody pulling on the oar together. Everybody's singing from the same song sheet, insert, insert cliche here. You know, you talked about a minute ago, Jeff, or Steve, I should say, about um, brokers are smaller than the carriers and so on, but not when they're not when they're together. Right? When you add up all the brokers behind an association, biggest, biggest organization in the country. You know, agents and brokers play for the name in the front of the jersey, not the name in the back. 
but we have to figure out how to do that. And that's leadership, it's culture, it's how do you bring everybody together. And I feel like there's some fractured areas and technology being, in my opinion, the biggest fracture point. You know, associations didn't want to handle it. We set up a thing called Orbit back in the mid 2000s because IBO at that point didn't want to handle it. We're not a technology company, that's not in our mandate. How much M&A has there been? Is there, is there safe to be there's been over 500 transactions? Like like, are we into thousands yet? Yeah, I don't know about thousands because there is 3,000 brokerages in the country, and I don't think 33% of them have changed hands, but hundreds for sure. Now let's go to the other side. Um, insurance companies, how much consolidation have we seen along that side? A bunch. Yep, a lot. Right? Yeah. For sure, right? So why is it reasonable to think that we should stay with the exact same infrastructure as we have had from 30 years ago? No, 100%, Adam. Like you said, like we're do, we're using the same methods and the same structure, which everybody argues has been flawless. Yet a lot of these people have three-year strap plans. Well, three years and dog years is like 21 years in the old world, right? We can't. We've got people that serve. They're done being president of their association. They jump on to IBAC for a year, then they're gone. So there's no continuity. So you got people that are, it's like a turnstile to go through to say you did it, almost to get a stamp. I was on IBAC. I did that, and you know some people bring some great ideas. Ideas, but what can you do in a year, Steve? Can you do a lot in a year? It takes you a year to figure out what's going on half the time, right? Look what IBAO has had to do, um, you know, Jeff, like in the last five years to change its membership structure, change its makeup of leadership, change its bylaws. Like you had to make moves to do it. And if we zoom out for a level, like that hasn't happened countrywide. And it certainly hasn't happened in any coordinated effort. It's all about coming together and better together. And there's a whole different level we need to go to. Uh, but I guess, where does the conversation start? Is it, I guess it starts at each association, right? At each association, who is actually making the decision? The board makes the decision, right? The board decides it. They, they give the marching orders to the president or the CEOs of each of the organization. But the board is rotating so much. So, you know, it's three-year strap plans made by one people. 80% of those people aren't there. And they have to execute it. So when you, when you get people who are on the board for a couple of years, uh, who, you know, rotate through a couple of positions and then rotate off, and it takes a little while to get their feet underneath them, you know, how much ability do they act to have to actually make a big picture change like we're talking about particularly when you multiply that by 11 and it's 120 people who are rotating all the time and have to come together on some sort of consensus and, and it's a huge ask like we have to be aware that people that step up to be president and how much time they're out of the brokerage and then step on to i back they're making a huge commitment so i don't want to you know downplay how important it is that people step up and do it, how much effort they put in. But it, the other problem is it's by not being there long enough, it's we almost need a little bit more effort, right? Or we need a little more continuity. So I don't, I don't know what that magic formula is, but we need that, right? That's the cool part is there, there are people that are incredibly passionate, unreasonably passionate about the broker channel and you know what it means and what it stands for and the value it's delivering in different communities. And that's that's a good thing to to embrace and nurture. I'll pose a crazy question here. Uh, Adam said, "Blank sheet of paper, rebuild it." And as business owners, we have to do that from time to time, reinvent ourselves to to be different, right? Like <laughs> sometimes annually. Uh, so it, how do how do you take a hundred hundred year old organization and and how do we rip the bandaid? I think that's a big part of the problem is like these little tweaks and things and project here and there versus if we're talking blank sheet of paper, then like 
what do we want to achieve? Like maybe it's the education file. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. I, I mean, you, you list out those things and then we purpose build the, the team and the company, the division to solve it. And again, as a brokerage, what do you want to, what do you need to get from these organizations? If you're paying the money, what do you expect to get in return to get value, right? What I heard from you guys is that there's a few subjects or files, whatever you want to call them, that you know can be or should be national. I heard technology as a big one. It's it's kind of fractured right now across the, across various places. I heard uh, recruitment, um, and I heard uh, so that that you know, the marketing piece, the BIPR identity, the education, put education, education, in sure. So, so to me that that's you know these are the things you stick on the whiteboard uh, when you're trying to figure out what should that organization in the future look like to be able to tackle those things. Yeah, and then what's the structure to deliver? Like, what is there an enhanced structure that we could, you know, use resources better, people, money, time better to get the goals we need, right? And make sure all of candidates listen to, everybody's looked after. And we're obviously not going to solve this, <laughs> the four of us staring at our, at each other on the computer screen. But I, I, you know, I think we've identified that there are some opportunities here and that there's opportunities to further support, promote, and enhance the broker channel. One of the things that I see when I, you know, go to IBAC Tech and, and, I, and I talk to representatives directors from other provinces is the duplication of effort that's going on at each organization. Well, the other thing too is you got volunteers. You got some places where they don't have any paid help. So you got somebody doing volunteer work. You got 10 volunteers singing Kumbaya trying to get it over the finish line where somebody paid, somebody paid to get it done. And if you had enough people that you put the resource, you could have paid people getting it done as a job a lot faster, moving the needle, right? How efficient would you be if you had five branches in your organization, but they all came up with their own workflows. I'm the, I'm the wrong person to ask, right? We, we specifically have 90 people in one location for that exact reason. Oh, okay, sorry. I should probably ask a broker as multiple locations. What I interpret from what Adam is saying is that he potentially thought about the, oh, let's have multiple locations because now people are close to their homes or their clients or whatever and said, screw that. He believed it's way more efficient to have everybody in the same place so he could have less managers, probably get a better deal on his rent, make sure workflows are being done the same way across the board. And, I, and it, wasn't, it wasn't Adam's idea. Like it was others' ideas that have lived through the other model to say, no, when you need to change direction, it's really hard to get five branches aligned. Why don't, why don't you let each of your five different branches deal with the insurance companies separately too? I think we've I think we've exceeded our number of rhetorical questions for one episode. Let's land the plane. I'm gonna go upstairs and get brownie points. I gotta do bath time. So I'm gonna get Adam to uh, close us out here and sort of try to bring this interesting and slightly disjointed conversation into a common place here. But first, uh, I want to say uh, thank you to IFS Premium Finance, uh, our title sponsor, as well as uh, the Crew Group. Um, and uh, Garrison Brewery, and of course, our charity partner, Wick. So Adam, take this conversation that's gone all over the place um, and bring it to a uh, pleasing, pleasing conclusion. I don't, I don't know if it's pleasing, but let's try and be concise. I think, I think where we ran around on this is there's uh, a desire to be better. There's some problems out there and there's some inefficiencies in the association model. And in that lies 
an opportunity if we're willing to have that tough conversation and and if the conversation's willing to go on beyond these four mugs and this hour um we have the opportunity to do some great things and i think both our insurance company partners and our collaborative membership would would appreciate it because uh I don't think anybody appreciates spinning their wheels and, and not getting things done. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. CAS Certified.